Welcome to Lawler Out Loud, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Christy Lawler, and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in the world. And we hope to prove that every single person has the power to make a difference and make an impact. Today's guest is Keith Saracen. So first, let me thank you, Keith, for joining us to share your personal story, your career story and experiences and all of your ideas for our industry as a whole. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Well, I've been wanting to have you on this show, so I'm really glad that the timing worked out and we could connect because I really want to focus on what you do uh, as your business side and then what you're doing for our industry as a whole because you've gained this amazing presence by starting a Facebook group. So we'll talk about that. But first, dive in and and tell us about you, um, your education, your experience, what you're doing now, whatever it is that you want to share. Sure. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I think like all of us, we get into this industry in strange, weird places. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to be a chef. Um, it wasn't what I aspired to. Um, I ended up going to school for psychology and uh, really loved it, but it was really expensive. I uh, grew up kind of with just my mom and I, so money was tight. And uh, when I was 14, I wanted a mountain bike really bad. And she's like, okay, you want it? You can go work. So I started washing dishes at a local <laughs> sub shop and um, hated it, but I knew it was going to get me to my goal. And I, I worked as much as they would let me. And uh, I remember buying that mountain bike and having that, that feeling of like, hey, I did this. And so I really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed having the bike and getting the stuff. So I worked there for a while, uh, got to start to make some subs as I got a little bit older. And then a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, I love big, that big you graduate. You graduated in the sub line. I love it. For the record, it's pretty great when you move from the dish pit to, to actually preparing food. Um, so, uh, you know, my friend Steve, he, uh, he's the one who wanted to be the chef. He was super, super creative and he would bounce from restaurant to restaurant, you know, and get some experience and then kind of move on. And uh, I would in, in turn get a phone call where he'd be like, hey, bud, like, come on, like, you know, I went to this spot, come work the line. And so I would do that to pay my way through school. Um, go to school during the day and then in the evening I would uh, sit there on the line and I never really enjoyed it but it was also having that sense of family that I didn't really have a lot of and I think that's yeah. one of the reasons we gravitate toward you know this industry um, oh, and wow. I you know so I, I tolerated it I'd say you know it's, it was like yeah. hanging out with a group of friends and there's also something you know that I really loved about being under the gun when it's Mother's Day I worked at a seafood restaurant and and it was insane. It would be Mother's Day. There'd be tickets literally just lining the wall. And it's just, you know, you're in for a double because everyone's in for a double. And yeah. it's that feeling of being in the foxhole that I really enjoyed. Um, so I, I worked my way up. Um, Steve went on to the bigger and better things. Um, he ended up becoming kitchen manager, um, followed suit there. And then he went on to become sous chef and eventually an executive. And um, it was it was great. It was it was really a good learning process, but I it's still not what I wanted. For me, the the thing that changed was when Steve uh, he moved away and uh, got a phone call one day. He's like my brother, so got a phone call one day and uh, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Oh and my god! Yeah, it was it was crazy because it's like you know you're young and you don't think that anything's ever going to happen to you and 
Steve was like indestructible to me. Um, and so I, I ended up flying down and, you know, cooked him some meals. We were hanging out and there was this moment where you know, we used to live together for a while too. And we were, we were roommates and he would say, Hey, can you make that chicken dish you used to make? And can you make this? And can you make that? And I would be like, yeah, absolutely. And there was a, there was a click for me where all of a sudden it became, food didn't become something that I did as a vocation. Food became something to help to heal. Yeah. And even mm-hmm. if it's just for a moment. And um, that was a pretty incredible lesson. Um, and so from there, it was life-changing. I uh, definitely worked my way up in the kitchen, got to work with some amazing chefs after that, um, and found that what I really, really loved was helping people um, through the medium of food, you know, giving that person the satisfaction of a smile and, you know, that moment where they, their eyes roll back and they go, wow, this is like Yeah, this food does that. It, right? It definitely yeah. does. It has There's, a lot of power. It does. And, you know, I, I think as a young cook, I didn't realize that, you know, and I think a lot of us don't. I, it's different nowadays. You know, I say this like I'm 100 years old, but like back in my day, um, <laughs> it was, you know, we didn't have Netflix. We didn't have these shows that helped inspire us. It was, you know, the grind on the line. And, and I think nowadays everyone thinks they're a chef because they watched a Netflix show. And so there's, there's a lot more motivation. But well, all you reality... see is the glamour, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and... and there's a lot of work that goes into those shows. I've got a girlfriend who's a producer on Top Chef. There's mm-hmm. so much work that goes into those shows that the consumer or the audience will never see. Yeah. And unless you've worked in the kitchen or even like, for me, I never worked in the kitchen. I just worked in the front of the house or on like the buffet line, like making tacos. Um, and it was, it was, you're just constantly sweating. It's just a yeah. constant, it's a, it's a physical drain on you. You don't sit, you don't breathe. You're lucky if you remember to grab some ice water before you got slammed, because at least then you can be like hydrating while you stand there on, you know, kitchen mats and try to function when your back starts hurting and it doesn't matter how old you are because you know we all start out when we're pretty young in this business everything hurts when you're young it is a physical toll so I I like that you you bring that up because yeah people think it's so easy it's so not easy yeah you know it's there's a a huge physical toll to your point I think you're 100% right um there I think what we don't talk enough of because of the bravado of the job is the mental toll. Yeah. Um, you know, this is an industry that will gladly spit you out because yeah. I, you know, I, I wrote an article on this on medium and, uh, you know, I, I categorize the industry as the Island of misfit toys. And, you know, some people definitely yeah. took, took a, took issue to that. And I understand that, but I think that, you know, being broken has the condemnation that we're bad, that we're flawed. But it's not. We all have demons that we battle. Some of those are yeah. prevalent and some of those aren't. And I think this industry really likes to garner those, those you know, the people who take another path in life. It's not that linear, I went to school, I became a doctor, life is perfect. Yeah. No, you know, well, we, we're, we're artists. True. Yeah. I mean, when you really look at it, these are the people that serve the food are the same creative nature of the people that write the stories, write the novels. These are, you have this thing inside of you. You want to get your creative voice out there. 
And a lot of us tell it through food or drink or, you know, a newspaper article or, or magazine, whatever it is. But it's it's that internal stream that we all possess. And mm. you're right. None of us are going to be doctors. Yeah. It's I, just not it, our thing. <laughs> it, it's funny. I tell a lot of young, young cooks, I'll get emails, people be like, you know, how do you make it? I'm like, I don't know. I'll let you know when I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, for... For me, I, I'll, I'll, people ask, you know, what's some advice you give to young cooks? And I think I see the same thing time and time again. Learn the difference between passion and desire. And like yeah. passion is that fickle mistress that like comes and goes, you know, you can be super passionate about, you know, avant-garde, new age, you know, new cuisine. Um, you can be passionate about, you know, what they're doing in Alinea in Chicago and, and things like that and wanting to recreate a helium balloon dessert. Um, but at the end of the day, passion comes and it goes, and ebbs and it flows. Desire is the thing that allows us to continue to push on, even when the passion isn't there. You know, our yeah. fire doesn't always burn bright. You know, there's times where we need to rekindle and restoke that fire. And those yeah. moments, those valleys are just as important as the peaks. That is a great perspective. I really appreciate that you said that because I think it's absolutely true, but I don't know if I'd ever considered it that way. So I'm betting I'm probably not alone. Like many of the listeners would be like, Oh, I hadn't considered that. You're right. Because when we hit that wall and we lose our passion for a bit, or we hit that Valley and we're searching, that's when our creative gene kicks back into high gear because when we're on top, that's not when we're being our most creative because we are not having to solve an immediate problem. Right. I mean, that's, that's That's, human nature, but it really translates to our business. Yeah. I mean, I kind of look at it like it separates the wheat from the chaff. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you, it's easy to be on fire about something and to do a lot of work, but a lot of times that leads to burnout rather quickly. I've been there so many times in my life. Um, What, what really, constitutes and and what is a predictor of success in the kind of modern definition of it is the ability to have the exact same emotional reaction to the valleys that we do at the peaks because Mm -hmm. the peaks are you know you win James Beard there's that moment where all the emotions flood to you and I'm sure I obviously haven't you know won it but I can imagine that feeling of yeah of being there and being a recipient of that yeah, that amazing. Is, that feeling is equally distant to the amount of work that it takes to get there, right? When oh, you're in yeah. the valley and you're sitting there going, man, I'm never going to get anywhere, that, that emotion matters. That's not the passion, that's the desire. And that's what we need to garner, not only in society, but to a lot of people who are coming up in their field. Learn yeah. to embrace the suck is a good way of putting it. I love that. I've actually heard that one before. And I totally agree with it because... As much as I'm a, a total Susie Sunshine, I, I like the suck still happens and I still mm-hmm. have to recognize it. And I don't want to admit it, but it's still there. So you're right. <laughs> embrace it and learn something from it because otherwise it's going to just last longer. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, right now as an industry, we're definitely embracing the suck, right? And we have gotten really creative <laughs> to mm-hmm. get out of the suck because it's lasting a little longer than we all wanted it to or hoped it would or expected it to be. But, uh, 
it's very fascinating because at the end of the day, when you hit that pinnacle, the next morning you wake up and nothing else has changed. You just, you go back to what you were doing the day before and you work towards the next thing. So we're also, you know, very like goal oriented in this business. We're always looking for that next achievement point, um, that bullet point in our life that stands out amongst the text of our story, right? So, yeah. it, it, right? <laughs> but it, yeah, go ahead. No, I I, I want to hear what you have to say. I I just you you kind of meandered to this, which is fascinating because. A lot of people, especially professional chefs, like they fall into it kind of on purpose, but not terribly on purpose. But the fact that it just kind of found you and it created a passion in you is kind of the inverse of what I've heard. So I find that yeah. interesting. I, I think it, it's a, it happens because I failed more than I succeeded. And that's haven't an we all <laughs> right, right but here's the thing here's the beauty in what you just said haven't we all but that's not what we see on our social medias right oh god we no. see the highlight reel of our lives yeah and you know if, if somebody comes up to me and says wow you know you're working on your third book you've been so successful i well, the way i define success is completely different than the way somebody else defines success my life isn't isn't great because i write books my life is great because I make the choice to get out of bed every day. And sometimes that's the hardest thing. Sometimes yeah. you go through depression, anxiety, you go through these things of just not feeling good enough. And this, these are the things that we don't talk about in our industry because of the bravado. Yeah. You know, we say, hey, put your head down and keep working through it. If you cut yourself, wrap it in a cloth and keep working. You yeah. this. And, it's, and it's not that those things are inherently bad or good. It's what that does to us internally to help us or to hurt us and those are choices that we need to make you know it's yeah there's a lot of times where our psyche doesn't catch up with our physical ability to keep doing things you know and we go 10 years all of a sudden we look back at our life and we don't feel like we lived it in accordance to our journey and i think the, the more that we talk about this stuff in our industry um the the deeper we're going to find support for each other and the better our industry is going to be, um, you know, years from now. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, th I, that's a perfect, thank you for that. It's a perfect segue because I really want to talk about what you're doing on Facebook. So you started the industry United group and it's a closed group. Um, I think I was invited to join when you were a, day old and maybe a few hundred members and it has swelled to nearly 27,000 people and there are constant posts like and it's just a resource I mean no one's on there selling or self-promoting everybody is trying to find a way to get help for themselves their communities and inversely ways to help others so it's mm. this beautiful thing that you've created I mean how did that happen? Um, thank you. Um, I don't know if I created it more than it, it, it sprang up because it was a need, right? And I was just kind of a vessel for it. So, yeah. you know, COVID hit um, and, you know, I was a new restaurateur at the time. Um, mm -hmm. 
our company was just under a year old. Oh, I'm sorry. It was, yeah, it was, it was difficult to say the least. Yeah. Um, but navigating those, those changes where it was right before there was like mandates to close, you know, we yeah. saw some of this coming internally in our group. We talked about how we would handle it, um, changing protocol. And, you know, there's no playbook for this. Um, yeah. And so I kind of had to stop and, and go, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And there's, and I, I'm, I'm blessed that I have wonderful friends who've been in this industry as restaurant tours and chefs and all down the line. So I could reach out, but they didn't know either. You know, this is really unprecedented to use that term. Um, it totally so is. I, right. <laughs> so I figured if I'm feeling this way, there's got to be other people feeling this way. And we all need yeah. a resource because if none of us know what we're doing, we need to hive mind this, you know, and that's an important, yeah. you know, important trait that I've been able to, you know, to look to other people for, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So I figured yeah, I'd just right? create a room. I figured you can create a room of people way smarter than me. And that was really it. And so I uh, talked to a friend of mine who owns a restaurant in New Hampshire. And you know, I was like, hey, you know, I, um, I'm thinking, I think I don't know what I'm doing. None of us do. Why don't we create a little Facebook group and just kind of be able to talk openly about this? Uh, then I talked to my friend, Kate, uh, Kate Holacek. She's an incredible pastry chef and friend of mine. And I was like, Kate, let's just bring some of our friends in the area and and let's kind of, you know, I expected there to be about a thousand people in this. Um, oh, God, so you were what, a thousand on day one. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> which is nuts. Yeah. Um, and it's, for me, this was never, this, this was about two things. One, it was about, this is, this can't be about me. It can't be about the people that I put in as moderator. This needs to be about us getting answers and us being able to evoke questions that hopefully made changes in other, excuse me, in other people's lives. Of course, um, yeah. And so I, you know, we invited a couple of people and that led to a couple of people. And I, you know, we were 24 hours old and I, I think we were at like 3000 people already. And I yeah, was like, oh, it was God. insane. And I was like, I don't, you know, I realized about 48 hours in that this was going to be bigger than I could have imagined. And, you know, here's the thing. Somebody listening to this might go, dude, you hit a gold mine. This isn't a gold mine to me. No. I have another business. I have things I want to do. I'm not a big fan of being in the limelight all the time, even though it's kind of more what I've been toward lately. But Industry United was for the industry by the industry. Yeah. And we've thankfully been able to keep it that by really heavily moderating um, and getting people, um, Murph Avery was a really good example of somebody who came in and her expertise was being able, being able to give people advice when it came to unemployment. That became the number one you know, issue that was trending on our group. And we've helped thousands and thousands and thousands of people yeah. um, able to, to, to get the benefits they needed to support their families. And that's not about Keith. And I never want it to be about Keith. That's about heroes like Murph and the moderators who are on there and all these people who stepped up to donate their time and their expertise to lead us through this. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really quite impressive. Not not only the growth, but the amount of people that you could help. Um, and I, I know your your membership is moving up at a slower pace now because it's hit, you know, 27,000 people. But it's also... The information is becoming very specific 
that's getting out there. And I, I it's, it's crazy. I I'm looking at your page right now and I have 171 Facebook friends in this group and I don't have that many Facebook friends. I think I have just over like a thousand or something. So that's, that speaks and we're all in the national account space. So we are the people that are impacting larger organizations from our side. And so we're seeing this from one perspective, whereas some of the people that are posting and and needing the help are on like a very specific local perspective and there's help everywhere. And that's what I love about it is that we're all on equal footing and we're all just trying to make things better for everyone. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. For for us, help isn't a political thing. And I understand that we're in an election cycle. We are very divided um, states of America, if you will, to, mm-hmm. to kind of use that phrase. Um, but Industry United isn't about the right or the left or the middle or anything. Industry United, we we knew from day one, I'm not, I'm not here to pull up with a lot of political stuff. And of course we get it in the forums. We mm-hmm. moderate it heavily. Yeah. Um, I, but what we need is we need we knew we needed to garner support so that people can have an avenue to go to because yeah. the reality is there just wasn't that there's no there was no playbook in our restaurant and dining group to open up and say here's what we do in the face of a pandemic you know and there's not that in anyone's dining group that i've i've heard of including some of the higher ups that yeah. we all idolize you know yeah. everyone has had to pivot so yeah, with exactly. industry, right. So with industry United, we just wanted it to be that place. And, you know, I, I'm thankful. I'm, I'm so thankful to the people who, you know, have been there since day one, you know, Christopher and, and some of the moderators, Kate Holacek, you know, there's so many amazing people mm-hmm. and they're the ones who deserve a lot of the credit of, of you know, bringing this together and, and helping support the vision of what we believed it could be. Well, and, and I appreciate that. Um, because I mean, if it wasn't for you creating this group and for the help of your moderators and your experts coming in to help out, I wouldn't have been able to connect with you and I wouldn't have known anything about you. So this is very exciting for me just because I've been able to like garner information from the group and also present information that has helped others. So I, awesome. I find it to be a very valuable resource. Um, thank you. So yeah, you're welcome. And I thank you for doing it. But um, so I, I always ask people uh, to give me an example of like a negative experience that it turned into a positive in retrospect. I know that we're all in, in the midst of a very elongated negative experience, but there are so many positives that come out of it. But I'm wondering if you have a personal or professional story that is now looking back on what you learned, what you went through and how you recovered, it's turned into something positive. Yeah, I, uh, great question. Um, I think we can all kind Thank of you. pinpoint moments and, and uh, lots of negativity in, in, our, in our journeys. Yeah. Um, lots come to mind, I, I think, you know, to isolate one. Um, you know, I, I think, so 2018, um, my mother was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. It was, thank you. Um, so 2018 was, you know, I think a lot of times in life we have that duality of like, 
it's amazing things happening in our life and it's terrible things happening in our life. Mm -hmm. And uh, being her primary caregiver through that experience was, um, was something that I didn't, you know, you don't plan for those things. And I think a lot of us, you know, try to figure out, oh, well, this is what I would do during that. Um, I knew that I was going to need help. Um, so I started seeing a therapist um, on a biweekly basis. And it was difficult. I mean, I, you know, that obviously it's an understatement. But during the course of that, I signed my first lease for my first restaurant. I was writing my second book um, and finishing that. Um and I was taking care of my mom throughout all of that. Wow, and, um, that's a lot. Yeah, um, it was. And, and when you're going through the motions, and anyone who's been through trauma, and, and that's everyone listening to this, when mm-hmm. you're going through that stuff, you don't you don't understand all the stuff that's going underneath. A lot of times in the restaurant industry, we say a great service looks like a duck on water, you know, where... You, you see that duck and it's gliding so gracefully across. You don't you know, see all the work under the surface. Exactly. And that's yeah. what it looks like in front of the house, right? You know, back of the house, you see that. Um, but front of the house, you know, it's just this perfect smooth transition. I, I think that was me. And I didn't realize all the turmoil underneath. Uh, subsequently, my mom passed away. and Oh, I'm just... so sorry. Thanks. I, uh, it was obviously a really difficult experience. And um, we're very, very close. And I think that sent me into a tailspin in a lot of other areas of my life where I battled severe depression. Um, I didn't, I, you know, I lost a lot of my fervor for what I wanted. Um, and I, I really lost who I was. Um, it affected a lot of areas of my personal and professional life. And that was a terrible experience. However, COVID hits and it gives me a reset. I think it's, you know, it's been the first time I've really, you know, and a little bit before COVID as well, I've started to finally unravel a lot of that stuff. And instead of the waters being nothing but 30 foot waves, they started to become 15 foot waves and five foot waves. And now they're just kind of swells that will come in occasionally. And, you know, I've done a lot of work to work on that. And now I'm starting to feel a lot more like me. It's not that my, you know, I, wouldn't ever grieve my mom of course I grieve her um but it allows me to say I'm a living and this is the big this is the big revelation after all that grief I'm a living embodiment of her legacy and if I don't care for myself and I don't live to my fullest potential I'm subsequently not honoring the gift of life she gave me yeah wow that's wow that's impressive and so beautiful thank you for sharing that yeah, no problem. I, um, you know, we learn a lot of lessons as we go through our journeys and uh, yeah. every journey is different, but that's some of the lessons that I started recovering. And obviously those experiences were terrible, but I wouldn't understand that deeply unless I went through those things. Yeah. Wow. Your mom must have been a really incredible woman. Yeah, she was. That's you're, you're very lucky to have had her. Um, but I'm very sorry for the loss. I can't, I, I can't imagine what that was like for you. Um, and so recent too, it's still very fresh. Um, it's, that's very impactful and it makes me, it makes me take a pause, honestly, just listening to it because you can hear the pain in your voice when you recall 
the memories and, and what you went through and how it made you feel. Um, but uh, I, I, you've done so much since then. That's so positive. And you are running a restaurant, correct? Yeah, so I, I recently decided to leave the dining group. Um, they are amazing people. And I've been very, very fortunate to kind of learn so much from them. But part of it was me resetting and being able to do things like this. And when you're running a dining group, your life isn't your own anymore. Uh-huh. You don't, you know, you're, you're constantly just at it nonstop. And I, I decided, you know, ultimately, I think what was best for me is to be able to heal these parts, to be able to find my own path again. I, I missed going to farms. I missed being able to, you know, talk to people like you and, and inspire other people and get out there and do talks and, and write. Like all that stuff goes away when you're running four businesses. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, your creative outlet is completely stifled. It's cut off. Yeah. Because yeah, business is not business in the typical sense is not very creative. I mean, you're you're sitting in an office and you're crunching numbers and you're managing employees and you're not out there building and creating. And for someone like you and like me, we have this inner need, this drive, this purpose that is not fun. And you're like, oh, I'm so disconnected from what drives me. And that's very yeah. hard. So. I, I completely can that what you said just totally resonates with me. Um, but if, if there's anything that you've learned from that may or may not be a regret, I always ask people if they have any regrets, but if there was something that, that taught you so much that you would change your approach in the future, or you learned so much from it, um, do you have anything where like, Yes, I have regrets. No, I don't have any regrets because here's what I learned. Like, do you have that kind of an experience to share? I um, I don't think there's a person alive who wouldn't do things differently. You know, Maya Angelou has an incredible quote. She says, you know, you did what you knew how to do. And when you knew better, you did better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we get to the knowing better by going through the experiences of failure and letting yourself down. So there's certainly points of along yeah. my journey where I've, you know, I, done things that I'm like, man, I wish I would have done that differently or you know, mm-hmm. said something differently. Um, and those are a litany of things. But I also recognize that they've helped me understand more about me. And they've also made me a better person, better chef, better business owner. Um, you know, I, I think that regret is a useful tool where yeah. we recognize our faults. Um, but we also understand that we're not defined by them we're all going to make mistakes you know and if we think we're perfect in this we should not be in any industry you know because we're going to let ourselves down and I've let myself down so many times Um, the ability to transcend that to own your mistakes and then to do better just like Maya Angelou said when you know better or when you do better you do do better, better yeah and I think that's really the caveat there that's an interesting way to approach regret because, yeah, we all have that, oh, I wish I had not have said that or done that or thought that way or whatever. But using regret as a learning tool is a beautiful way to repurpose that energy. Because mm. if you just wallow in what you did wrong and you don't look at how you can change it or evolve it, 
then you're stuck in that. And it does, that doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve anybody. But you made yeah. an excellent point. And I've never quite heard it stated that way before. So thank you for that unique response. Um, because I think that that's a, that's a key pivot point emotionally when you've realized the error of your ways. You're like, okay, changing course, not doing that again. That's and awesome. The key to the key to it and the, and the thing that happens with the understanding, and I think this is so important for the listeners and everyone to hear, the key isn't that you're absolving yourself of your follies. That's not the key because that's what narcissism is, where you're not taking responsibility. The key there is taking responsibility for your actions. I am not a perfect business owner. I am not a perfect chef. Hell, I'm not even a great chef in my opinion. I'm a good one. You know, I think what separates, what separates and what really helps us understand is saying, hey, I did the best I could in that. And I know now that I could have done better. I'm going to make sure to do better. It's in, uh, it's in taking in the responsibility of your actions that you mm-hmm. find healing moving forward. That's excellent. That's a, that's a very humble response, but I will, I will uh, agree to disagree with you on one of the points that you just made. I think if you can earn a living doing it, that makes you great. So you may not be like the chef that you think is great, but you are because there are so many that just don't possess the skill set or are so afraid to learn and that will keep them good chefs. What makes you great is the fact that you can bring people together to eat your food and create an experience. And that's, that's a point of differentiation from a consumer. I'm not a chef, clearly. Uh, but that would be a distinction that I would make personally when looking at the way that someone approaches food and, and cuisine. Well, thank you. I mean, incredibly kind. I, you know, I, I think it's, you know, greatness is, is, is very subjective. Um, just yeah. like, you know, when somebody says, hey, you're successful, you know, how do we all define those, those metrics, metrics of success? And I, you know, I, I aspire to greatness. Um, and sometimes, you know, Chris uh, Vio, who's a good friend of mine and the restaurateur um, who owns the business now, he, uh, he's a, to me, he's a great chef. And, um, you know, we would talk a lot of times when we were working together whether that's through farmer's dinner. Um, And we would say, you know, it's so hard for what's in our head to transfer to on the plate. There's Mm -hmm. always that that lapse. And it's very rare that we get from what's in our head to on our plate visually and and flavor profile-wise perfectly. And when we do, it's a moment of euphoria. Yeah. And that euphoria Mm -hmm. lapses because then it's, okay, what's next? Oh. Well, so that's really funny because I always, like, I'm a creative person and I can have all the ideas in the world and I can visualize how those ideas come to fruition, but I can't actually make it happen. So when I think of a great marketing piece or tool or tactic, I then have to go to the people that are talented enough to visually make it happen. And those are my designers. I can't do that part. I can give them all the creative brief, but at the end of the day, if I try to translate that to my hands, there is a massive disconnect between what happens in my brain and what happens in my hands. So I've never actually had that moment of euphoria where I'm like, this actually turned out the way I thought it would. 
it's always in someone else's hand, right? I find people more talented than myself to do what they do best so that my best and their best combined becomes something great. But that's, uh, that's fascinating because I've, I've also never heard it put that way either in, in the food aspect where like you would think plating and, and a flavor profile, you're a chef, you know what the food is going to taste like, you know what the flavor profiles are, you know how they're going to come together. But I didn't necessarily re- realize that there could be a palate disconnect between what happens in your brain and what it's going to taste like and look like on the plate to the the actuality of it. That's a, that's a fascinating, wow, that journey. Yeah. You know, about that? <laughs> I feel like the chefs who I connect with, um, my, my version, I think we can say it better this way, my version of what it means to put a plate in front of a person is different, I think, than the average chef. It doesn't mean it's better or worse, just like our journeys are better or worse. But the way that I define food is much like listening to a story, mm-hmm. right? There's your antagonist, there's your protagonist, there's the story arc, there's some sort of of message that that story delivers. You know, if you think of some of the great stories in the world of 1984 or Orwell, and you know, these things have these iconic messages that Mm -hmm. are wrapped in these beautiful story arcs. And that's what I try to do when I put out a plate. At the end of the day, I put a part of me out there. And it's not that I'm just putting out food. I mean, that's the vessel in in which the message is delivered. And I don't often get that message and that story as accurate as I would like. Fascinating. I had truly, I had never considered this proposition at all, but you're exactly right. You hit on it so well too. I love the way that you illustrate your thoughts and your ideas. Um, You're very good with words. You're very eloquent, but I love the way you deliver a visual to your thoughts. It's, it's really cool. I feel like I'm watching a movie right now, listening to you. Um, it, it just fantastic. You've blown my mind, dude. You've totally blown my mind. You've changed what I thought about so many things in this 30 minutes we've been talking. I love it. I've learned so many new things today. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, <laughs> so what, what would you want the listening audience to know about you? And this caveat, this is my oddball question that comes out of nowhere that makes no sense. And it's very hard to answer, but it gives the most insight into the character of the guests on my podcast. So total stranger walks up to you. What do you want them to know about you? Uh, I'm not as cool as I appear when you Google me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Back to the self-deprecation. We need to work on that. Um... (laughs) You know, it's here's the thing. Um, The reason I say it all the time is it's easy to fall in love with concepts and and potential. I've done it so many times in my life, right? So Mm -hmm. let's take it this way. There's chefs that I idolize. There's chefs that I look up to who I think are just, man, if I could... If I could work with them, I would learn so much. But the reality is, I think, you know, years and years and years ago, somebody told me, hey, you know, you really want to know your heroes, find out who your heroes' heroes were. And mm. I, there's an incredible show on, um, on Amazon Prime um, called The Boys. And I don't know if you've seen it, but it's about- this I haven't big, seen it yet. 
oh, it's really rad. It's about superheroes. But as you go through, they're, everyone in the world is normal, but these superheroes have these incredible powers. And they're living amongst society, and they're kind of like they save the day all the time. But these superheroes tend not to be so super. Like the people that idolize them, like you get to see behind the scenes and how they're kind of scumbags. And in the case of this, these people, they're incredible scumbags and they often hide that during different, you know, things. So this society sees one side of them. And my thing is, and the reason I say it's not even self-deprecation as much as it is to, I, I want somebody to think about it. Yes, I really appreciate praise flat out, right? <laughs> like we're all human. When somebody yeah. says, hey, chef, you inspired me in your book. Thank you. Like that means that genuinely feels good. But yeah. my goal is to get somebody else to be that source of inspiration as well. My goal isn't for me to take that credit. Now that you feel inspired, I want you to pass that on. Because if yeah. we're all little fireflies in this world, if we all light up simultaneously, we scare away the dark. Until we do that, there's just glimpses of light and a ton of darkness. Make sense? Yeah, totally. Again, with the visual storytelling. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, totally. Uh, everything you're saying resonates with me on such like a core basic level too. And I'm just, I'm, I'm enjoying learning from you. Um, but I, I definitely, I feel like we need to do like another episode or something. I think we need to dive deeper, but I Man. want you to tell people, <laughs> thank you. Awesome. Um, I'm glad it was good for you too. Um, <laughs> I would love for you to tell people how to reach you, how to follow you, how to find you. Um, I can, I can put the link to industry United for anybody to join the group, obviously, but your website, um, whatever it is, how do you want? And, Cause I'll put the links in your bio too. Yeah. Yeah. You can, uh, you can follow me at keithsaracen.com. Um, Instagram is, is Keith Saracen, you know, just kind of, same brand there, uh, Facebook, Chef Keith Saracen. You know, it's pretty easy to find me. Okay, good. Awesome sauce. Well, I will be sure to put all of that in the bio so people can listen and then reach out. Um, but thank you, Keith, for walking me through your experiences and, um, and really for expanding on what Industry United has become and where it started for you, because I think that's a really beautiful journey. So I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. You got a lot going on, um, but thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Always, anytime. And thank you all for tuning in to Lawler Out Loud, Mixing Up the Mainstream.